Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading up words of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The joint and the journalist. The GOAT. So why ask? Watch out. If watch out. about it, if he naming them. Scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. At Scoopy. Follow him. Yes, sir. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Radio. Oh, it's cool when you have assistant coach with an NBA team who's also a streetball legend at the same time. God Sham, God assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks, joins us today. Sir, what's going on? Man, it's all good, man. I'm just, you know, just working. Just, you know, we just got finished having practice and all that. So just doing that. The Sham Shake. I think McDonald's owes you a couple dollars. In that case, a lot of people owe me a couple dollars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, back then it wasn't, you know, we didn't we have NILs and all that stuff, so. You know, I was born 20 years too early, man, before all that. Yeah, yeah but listen, man, you got a Puma sneaker. So I'm sure that with the Puma sneaker that you have and the clout that you have as assistant coach with the Mavs, I think your people need to call McDonald's and get some type of partnership. I think that's ingenious. Yeah, that would be. I got to get a managing team first. But, yeah, that trust me, that would be good. All right. Yeah. So, There's a lot of loose money out there. When you get it, I just want my 10%. That's all. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, you are in a very unique position because I feel like you were always famous before you were famous. But then when you were famous, you were more famouser. If I could borrow a word, that's not a word. Do you yeah. think that if you had the chance to go back in time, would you want 
to play longer in the NBA or would you want your move to be a playground move? Scoop B radio. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's a good question that people always ask. And, you know, for me, it's like, I'm a very like, you know, spiritual person, faith-based person. So like for me, it's just, you know, everything's in God's hands. You know what I'm saying? As long as it's organic, you know, I love it. Yeah, but I want to play in the NBA 20 years and be a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Could I have messed it up at the same time? Yeah. So I think it played out exactly how it's supposed to play out. What was your time like with the Washington Wizards when you played? Oh, it was good. Like like I said, I was blessed. It was, you know, one of the happiest times of my life. I got drafted to the Washington Wizards. You know, I wish I would stay more than two years and not get hurt. You know, at that time, I was supposed to go to the Knicks, and the Knicks drafted Jonathan Thomas. And, you know, uh, I would have loved that scenario, too. You know, unfortunately, those those two scenarios didn't work out. And then I went overseas to China and made a great living. And all the hard-earned work I put in before making it to the NBA and stuff like that just took on a life of its own. And then when I came back, you know, the process was, like you said, more famous her <laughs> you know so it's just like you know one of those things that just happened and you know it only could come from god for stuff to happen the way it happened especially like that because now you know today i'm more famous than people that played in the nba 20 years people that's been in all of fame people that's been all stars and all this other stuff in this in this game that we call basketball this game that we love and it's funny because when I sit back and I was young, I used to always be like, man, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And then I always was like, man, I just want to be able to inspire people. I'd rather inspire people than be a Hall of Fame person. And when I look back at notes that, because I still have those books, like I used to write in journals and stuff. And it's funny because when I look back, at the young sham, the sham that's like 15 years old and all that. All the stuff that I was said has came true. It didn't hit me till like, like I said, like three years ago, I was just cleaning out some stuff. I was looking at these journals I wrote and I always just, I was just reading them to see. Cause I haven't seen these journals in like 15, 16 years. So I was just reading it. And I'm like, yo, it's so crazy. Like all the stuff I talked about, mm -hmm. almost kind of like, happen exactly how I talked about it. It's manifestation, but that's biblical. Speak those things yeah. as though they are. Yeah, because absolutely. Because like the thing is, when I when I first started playing basketball, I didn't think about the NBA. You know, I've been I never watched the NBA game until I got to like the twelfth grade of high school. You know what I'm saying? Because I used to always be in the park. I used to always be in the streets. So, and that's the time when the NBA games was coming on like every Sunday or something. So. I wasn't upstairs watching TV. I was in the park, in the street. Scoop so radio. the NBA wasn't the goal. It was just something. Like basketball, I just fell in love with it. You know, Mace, when I moved to Harlem, when I was eight years old, you know, I met Mace. And he took me to Rucker Park, and then I fell in love with basketball. Then in the area my mom's moved to, you know, I grew up with, you know, Mace, Cameron, Ali Moe, you know, Jerry McCullough, the McCullough brothers, um, Sean Arnold, Ronald, the Arnold brothers, uh, OG Juan, that's 
Mm-hmm. You know, Juan Perez, that's partners with Jay-Z. So I grew up, I grew up when I moved from Brooklyn to Harlem, I grew up in a, a rich basketball place. You know, everybody around there played basketball, whereas played played basketball, sold drugs or rap. So when you, when you look at my life now and when people talk about it, like, man, you know, you, you're famous or people know you. I'm like, it's funny because like, they know me because I grew up and I'm so tight and close to people that's my best friends. I touch every genre of what you want to call the famous status or celebrity status, whatever you want to call it. You know, I grew up like my best friends was Cameron and Ace and Ali Mo. you know, Ali Mo, God bless the dead, Black Widow, you know what I'm saying? And one royalty. You know, Mason Cam, Superstars, the first Drake, the first that. And then you have me playing basketball. So it's like I grew up in in that era and in, in, in all that. So, you know, and then at the same time, you know, that's the thing, my father, because at the same time, it's not like my name is Mike or John or Al or something like that. You know, growing up with a name like God Sham God, it's like, man, you better become something. You know, because you're going to be, your name's going to last, whether you like it or not, forever, people are going to remember your name. So my mom's always been like, make sure they remember it for your greatness. And, you know, like when people don't understand, like, like God, Shem, God means savior to thyself, one who's worthy of greatness. You know what I'm saying? And I learned that when I turned like 16 years old. So when you, like you said a minute ago, when you manifest all that stuff, man, it's hard for it not to turn our eyes, turning out. As you're talking, I am getting flashbacks of my journey with basketball. Number one, you said Sundays, Channel 4, the NBA on NBC, was like triple headers all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I look at your your journey, I'm thinking of old Harlem. I'm thinking of 80s and Mm -hmm. 90s red red cars, red Mm -hmm. subway cars. I'm thinking of Wells, chicken and waffles. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about... Jimbo's Burgers. I'm thinking about just all of those things. Do you think that today's New York City point guard mm-hmm. ever revert back to all the way back to Tiny Archibald, you, Marbury, Rod Strickland? Because today's basketball player is more traveling. They're not staying. They're not going to St. John. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there'll ever be a renaissance of that type of player that played in the PSAL? I don't think it would be that type of player. It would be a, a involvement because, like, with everything, everything evolves. So, you know, I try to do my best. It's not one player that has played basketball that's been good in New York City after my generation that I haven't been in the gym with or I haven't mentored. So I just feel it's my obligation, and I wish more of us would do it, but I just feel it's my obligation always to reach back always to talk to them, always to, like you said, bring that renaissance and let them understand like what it was to grow up in New York. And especially for me, I think it's on me to do that because that's how my life was built. My my life, my life and my accolades wasn't built on uh, being a seven time all-star or being Hall of Fame. You know, I'm Hall of Fame to the people and it's the people that made me who I am and God made me who I am. So it's like, I feel it's my obligation to be the person I reach back and let them know, like, you could become this, you know what I'm saying? Or you could become more. 
you know, I want you to be way more than what I was and what Steph was, what Rafe was, what Shaheen was, you know. But this this is the place where we come from and we took so much pride in it. And that's what I think is different. I just think the pride in where we grew up at, you know, even if you look at Mace when he rapped, when he first came out, everything was Harlem World, stuff like that. So it's like we took pride of being from New York, being from Harlem, being from this. But then when you have social media and a whole bunch of other stuff, we was the people that was setting trends, setting everything. You know, when I when I came up, that's what I tell people, especially for New York, like the era I came up in probably was the best era ever. I have no doubt about it because when I came up in New York, we was number one in everything, fashion, basketball, music, you know, Bad Boy, Rockefeller, uh, Rough Riders, Nas, you know, you had me, Steph, Felipe Lopez, Kareem Reed, Rafa Austin, Ed Coda. Like, New York was, like, tearing tearing camps up. Then at a young age, you had Mace. Mace was 20 years old, probably the hottest rapper walking the street besides Biggie and Pocket, besides Biggie and Tupac at that time. So, you know, when you think about that, that's the era I come from. That's where I'm cut from. So, therefore, that's what I know. And when you look at that era, you look at the kids that come across with me, you know, my son is 27. My son is the same age as the kids I train now or that's one of the Mavericks. But none of them don't look at me like like as their father. They look at me as like their big brother or big homie. And it's like I'm, I'm in that space that if you look at Fabulous, Fabulous is in that space. Like he's old enough to talk to the, the OGs, but he's young enough to talk to and he's aware enough to talk to the young guys. So he making his right to do that. And that's why they call him the young OG. And that's where I that's where I'm at when it comes to basketball and stuff like that. I always say, yeah, I'm the basketball Forrest Gump. So you look at the movie Forrest Gump and he go through all these situations, all these people he connected with. And one thing God has blessed me with to connect with some amazing people. And it's like, like you said, who would have ever thought like the first person I would play basketball for and really get serious about is Tiny Archibald when I didn't know it was Tiny Archibald. You know what I'm saying? Then when you fast forward, it's like I play in the best McDonald's All-American game ever where I'm I'm with people like Kevin Garnett, Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, Antoine Jameson, Stephon Marbury, Chauncey Billups, Randell Jackson, Chris Clack, like all these people and we're still close to this day. And then to go to Providence, you know what I'm saying? Go in the Elite Eight, upset big big schools, and and do a move that that's going to last longer than my life. You know what I'm saying? And then when you fast forward that, to go to the NBA, to only play 20 games, to get injured, go overseas, and then be more famous than or just as famous as people that uh, played in the NBA 20 years, that's going into the Hall of Fame. Then to come back to school and get my master's in leadership and then, you know, train people like Chris Dunn to be the number five pick in the draft and different players to then, you know, get a job with Dallas Maverick, with the great Mark Cuban and, you know, and train players like Dirk, Luca, Chris Dasperzinger, Harrison Barnes, you know, Wesley Matthews, uh, you know, Spencer Dimmy, Seth Curry. Like, they didn't have to listen to me, you know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, have enough street cred and be in the street to 
playing 55th against the Hall of Famers in 55th, like to grow up with Master Rob, Future, Anson Dougie, um, Lloyd Daniels, like all these people that, 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 that they write movies about, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, for me to be, for me to be immense and be an important part of both, I mean, that, that only could come from God to now where I get mentored by, you know, the great presence of a person like Mark Cuban and getting mentored by, you know, the great presence of Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I have the best of both worlds. And I look at it that way because growing up, I had the best of both worlds. I went to Catholic school and I played in the street. You know what I'm saying? I got to college, went to college and still played in the street. So I had the love from both. So when people see me getting love and see people cheering for me, it's like, yeah, because they all grew up with me. You know what I'm saying? This is not my story. This this is where I come from. You know, this is this is what's in me. This is a Harlem story, a New York story. This Scoop is not just when I, when I walk around here and people meet me and they're like, oh, you know, you're so humble, this and that. It's, it's, it's no other way I could be because I know this is not for me. This is from God. There's no way I... There's no way I could be anything else because it's not too many people that could say they could walk in both lives of the world where it comes to street and corporate, you know, different things. Be a basketball player in the street and be just as known as he is going to Catholic school, going to college, going to the NBA and have the same respect from rappers, street people to corporate people, have the same respect and love. So, you know, that's just a testament to my mom's the way she raised me, my father raised me. You know, they say pressure is a privilege. Harlem is a privilege. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy, the swag, the dress, and more. Listen, Harlem is definitely a privilege. I wouldn't want to be from nowhere else, because like I said, you know, like I always tell people, I got a heart of a Brooklyn guy and the mind of a Harlem dude. And like, when you have that, that combination is, is, is nothing to play with, period. And when you come from New York, that's nothing to play with. When you come from New York, New York, not parts of New York, like New York, New York. Like I really lived at some part of my life in every borough in New York right City. You, you know lived in Staten Island? My father, he uh, he had a girlfriend that was in Staten Island. And when I went to Staten Island, I, I went to Staten Island for like, I lived there for like three months. Cause it was like, the end of like the end of school season to the summer. And that's when I was like, I can't live with it. Cause I gotta take the ferry back over here and like I can't get to where I want to go when I want to because you had to you know that's when you had to get on the ferry every place you had to go I didn't know about like the horizontal bridge and all that stuff I was taking the ferry Staten Island then and then you know my father's a five percenter so you know most of the five percenters lived in Staten Island like Wu-Tang and all of them so you know that's why me Rayquan and all of us are so close you know and that's why I got so much love for this so when you look at it it's like my life has been touched by so many different aspects of entertainment, not just basketball. You know what I'm saying? It's like I connect with you know, Raekwon, Method Man, Busta Rhymes. You know, when they see me, it's love. Like, it's love, love. You know what I'm saying? Then besides that, you know, me and Mace growing up, me and Cameron going, growing up, Jim Jones, like these people, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are not people... Like I don't know them, and they know, and they don't know me. These are friends. These are people we call family. We call each other family. You know what I'm saying? We know each other, kids, mother. So, 
like this is what I'm a part of, like whether I wanted to or not. And then at the same time, when I went to college, you know, I'm going to college. I live on a block. I live on a street called Crime Square that half of the people on the block is on America's Most Wanted. Whoa. So you got to understand, I come from the heart of it. Like when, what people understand is you can't be in it and not of it. You talked about um, playing with Mason Cam. Y'all played for Riverside Church Hawks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, first we played for Young Life, then we played for Riverside, then I played for Gauchos. What was Cam and Mason's game like? Mace was like Pat Bev. Cam was more like Westbrook. At a young age, like 15, Cam Cam was very athletic. He didn't really have like like a handle like Harlem, like shake and bake and all that. He was just straight to it, like straight to it. Like kind of like Westbrook, straight to it, very athletic, get to the rim, something like that. Like people, like people don't understand. Mace used to come get me every morning, right? Just to play defense so I could work on my handle and he could work on his defense. He would never like shoot or nothing. He would just guard me. Mm-hmm. Mace is an agitator. So he'd be on the court talking crap, elbowing you, just doing like just crazy stuff. Huh. You know what I'm saying? And then Cam was like, like I said, Cam would have kept playing basketball. He'd have been probably McDonald's on American. Like at 15 years old, in the city champ, he was getting MVPs and all that. They played against Steph and them in the championship and all that. Like, so they was hooping, hooping. Tell me something. You you played in the McDonald's All American game. There's been dialogue about. I know what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. The McDonald's class, uh, the '95 class versus the '96 class. Objectively, what were each class's strengths? Scoop. B Radio. Oh, we had the best class. It's not even. It's not even close. We had everything you could possibly want. We had the better point guards. We had the better two guards. We had the better big men. You know what I'm saying? That's not even the knock. That's just plain and simple. It's like we have more four Hall of Fames. More people play All Star game. If you just want to knock it for the NBA, okay. So now we take the NBA out. Now we talk about culturally. We have more people that too. Only person they got culturally that you would say right now is Kobe. God bless the dead. Who I trained, which is well documented. So then I'm a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Me and Vince Carter culturally tops that class. But just just us two. Not even adding Steph. Not even adding Chauncey Billups. Not even adding Kevin Garnett. You up there. You up there. So that, that's what I'm saying. So when you argue that, it's like, it's hard for me to be objective to it without saying we had the best class because it's like, only person I'm not more famous than in their class is Kobe. When did you first meet Kobe? Met Kobe, his father came up to me when I was in 11th grade at ABCD camp. Hmm. And that's when he first came back here. And father was like, yeah, my son don't really know how to dribble, but he got everything else. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then the next day, they put me and him on the same team. And this when I just became McDonald's of America. So of course, you know, and is in Jersey. So I'm like, I'm the big shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, yo, we got this kid, this kid from Italy, from Spain, that's gonna be on your team. I'm like, all right, cool. But at that time, you know, we young, so we only other country we know is France. So I'm like, oh, kid from 
Frank's gonna be on the team. All right, cool, whatever. It was him. He came to the gym, he walked like Jordan, talked like Jordan, chew gum like Jordan. So of course when we first see him, nobody likes him. Cause they like, yo, he's super arrogant. Who this dude think he is? Walking like Jordan, think he Jordan. But then he gets on my team and he's taking all the shots. And I'm like, whoa, nah, we're not doing that. Like, oh, I'm the man. Like, we're not doing that. And then, like, his father talked to me that afternoon because I'm doing all this dribbling stuff that everybody's talking about me in the camp about dribbling. And then I was like, yeah, I was like, I'll do some stuff for him. But I was just joking, though. I, was, I wasn't trying to do nothing with him. I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, well, I'll get here at 5 o'clock in the morning and work out before camp starts. And I'm saying that because so he could be like, no, nah, I'm not coming that early. So I could be like, no. So when I come to the gym, and I never went to the gym at five, I'll go to the gym at like six. I go to the gym. He's already in his full-blown sweat. And wow. I was like, well, this is what I do. And I was just showing him how I go to my through my routine of working on a handle and stuff like that. And then he went through it. And then me and him formed a 25-year relationship. That in the end, you know, in the end, before his timely demise, you know, God bless the whole Kobe family. You know, he flew me in to work his door out. That's how close we was, and that's how good if he thought of the job I did with him. Wow. And and that's why it hurts to this day because everybody that passed away in the picture, I was training everybody in the picture. I have a picture with me, Kobe, and all the people that passed away in the picture, and the only person that's alive is me. Whoa. So to this day, that picture still bothers me. Wow. Brother, your legacy, his legacy, totally created culture to a whole nother level. And you're seeing it day to day in what you do with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic, to me, <laughs> his dribble, you see it, but now you see him, now you don't. Mm -hmm. Does he remind you of anyone? Yeah, he remind me of a lot of people all in one, and that's that's what that's how I was intended to be when I show him film and show him clips of like how to change angles and different things like that. That's what it was meant for because that's how I learned how to dribble. Like nobody taught me how to dribble. I used to watch film stuff like that, take bits and pieces of everybody, and then I put it into me, and then become Shamgar. And like when Luca first got here, that's what I used to, the same thing I used to do myself, I did with him. I used to take clips of like James Harden, take clips of LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, different people you would never think that I would show him. I would show him and I would be like, just focus on this or look at this or look how he do this. Look how James Harden throw a head pass. Look how LeBron does this. So. What it was, it was it was just intended for you take the best out of everybody and don't keep none of the stuff that people feel they do wrong. It's easy when, you, when you're dealing with somebody that's already a Picasso, already, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like if you get a million dollars. So the first time you get a million dollars when you go to the NBA, what most people do, they either buy a car or they go buy the big house, right? So you go get the land, you buy the big house. Now the only thing you got to do is dress the house up. The house is already a masterpiece. 
and Luke is already that. Luke is that that painting, that canvas where somebody see a wall. And you remember back in the days in New York, when people would be like, "Oh man, I gotta tattoo that wall." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's already that. You know what I'm saying? So anything. So if you give him anything little, he gonna turn it into art. It's like when I work with Kobe. Just give him little things. Hey, we need to work on wide crossovers. You know what I'm saying? Right to left cross. Do this, do that. Now everything else is going to take over life his own because he already who he is. And that's what people don't understand. People think, like most of the trainers, they don't understand. They think you got to train these people to do all this other stuff, do this stuff. No, you focus on certain things. And they're going to they make it their own. I remember I had this tape called Below the Rim. They had like Isaiah Thomas, Magic, Pistol Pete. That's when I first found out who Tiny Archibald was. And I used to watch this thing repeatedly. So I used to watch it. I got to the point where I used to watch it so much, I started watching it in slow motion. So I just wanted to see how people's feet move, how their hands move, stuff like that. Then after that, I used to go practice all these moves. Then I said, you know what? I used to have ankle weights, like two-pound weights. And I used to be like, let me put them on my wrist. And then I used, to do, I used to do all the dribble moves with the two-pound weights on my wrist, take them off, put them on my ankles. Now my arms is flying all over the place because I I, I just took two pounds off of me. So then my, my handle already got faster. And what happened was, what it did was, it, it had me dribbling out of control. So then I would dribble like wide and long until I, until I adapted to the speed. Or the weight, you understand what I'm saying? So then what happened did by accident it automatically made me dribble wider. So then what happened was it made me take up more space on the ground. So instead of me doing three crossovers to get somewhere, I could do one crossover and get somewhere. So that's why I said, is anybody have a job? The biggest thing they want to do is make that job better than how they found that job. You know how like when Tupac say that statement about this spark in the brain. That's me. I would wonder, regardless of what happened, if I'm not the best dribbler ever, I'm going to spark the brain of the best dribbler ever. Because, and they also know they will always have to have the sham guard. Period. You know what I'm saying? And when I say that, I say that humbly because, like, when, when I first watched dribbling growing up, Isaiah Thomas, Tim Hardaway, all of them, if you look at the way they dribble, they all dribbled in a the box. They all dribble with the ball close to their body because it helped them shoot pull-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you look at Ross Strickland, he dribbled straight up, you know, the ball close to his body. I'm the first person to start dribbling wide. Then everybody dribble wide. Me and my man, Dean Berry. Dean Berry is the dude that we used to be in camp together battling, and he's from D.C., and I used to show him wide crossovers. And then what happened? Five years later, who do AI credit for showing him the wide crossover? Dean Barry. So then, therefore, I'm a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uma gave you your own signature show. <laughs> How did that come about? Uh, a lot of people probably don't know him. They probably heard his name a lot. Uh, Embry Jones, that's Jay-Z's best friend, or one of his best friends. And uh, Embry Jones came to me, and he was like, man, this time I was doing a lot of stuff with Adidas and Nike. So he's like, are you still with Nike or Adidas? And I was like, nah, not no more. And he was like, Puma's trying to do a situation and they need a consultant. 
And I was like, he was like, would you mind consulting them? And I was like, nah, I'll do it. I'll consult them. So then he said, uh, and I was like, what you want me to do? He's like, well, I want you to have a conversation because they're trying to bring basketball back to New York. And I said, oh, cool. So we talked about all this stuff about New York Scoop and like where they should do tournaments at, where they should do this, what kids they should go after, what kids that I think will fit their brand and all that. And then the midst of the conversation, like all the stuff I do in the community and how I feel about the community, I guess it sparked their brain because um, like a couple of days later, uh, Juan Perez and Jay-Z, they called me and they was like, hey, I don't know what y'all talking about, but won't they sign you? And I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds dope. I wasn't going to say nothing like that, but that sounds dope. It's crazy because it was a year I came back to the NBA and coach. So for whatever reason, I don't know what happened. That's why I said all the stuff come from God. Like I said, it's so crazy because that same year, everybody in the NBA, I mean, of course, people do it now, but everybody in the NBA start doing the sham guard. So now it's different because... I'm on an NBA bench. So now when somebody do the sham guard, they're like, oh, yeah, they go sham guard right there. You coach with Dallas Mavericks, this, this, and that. So, and then, like, even a person like Russell Westbrook that don't dribble, then he did. Mm -hmm. So then it took on a life of his own. Then all the kids, you know, of course, the kids is talking about this and that. And then Puma was like, man, we should do that with you. So then when I got when I got with them, I was like, I didn't want to sign unless it was stuff in there that I could help my community. Like help Harlem do tournaments, cookouts, different stuff. And I was like, because for me, I'm like, it's not worth it if, if my community is not a part of it because these are the people that made it. They was like, man, you know, that's admirable, stuff like that. So then, you know, we got everything right. And, you know, now I got Team Sham Guard in New York and, you know, sponsored by Puma. And um, like I said, we just went off to the races. He said, man, we just think about making your shoe. And I was like, yeah, if I could design it, yeah. And I was like, because I know what my people want from me. So then when I did my shoe, I designed it as a roadmap instead of a shoe. So like my shoe, like the color of my shoe is my high school colors. If you look at inside the shoe, it's me doing the move. They got 1997 on the back. It's when the whole world saw the move in the NCAA tournament. Got GS in the front of the shoe for my name right. You know, I got the concrete on the side because uh, the Michael Jordan Forbes was like the, the best sneakers I ever saw when I was growing up and I had the concrete on the side, so I wanted that. And um, they got the, the zigzag imprints in the front of me doing the move. Scoop so, you know, it was just a roadmap to my life. And then they sold out. So then they gave me a second shoe. It's funny because it's like, man, I could have played in the NBA 20 years and never had a shoe. You know, it's like you got your plans and God got his plans and his plans is always better if you, if, if you listen and let him do his thing. So because the one time I didn't listen to God, he didn't he didn't leave me, but it didn't go how I wanted to go. And ever since then, I always promised myself I would be patient and just wait for him to do his thing. And and I'm glad I did do that because now I'm in the place that I'm in and I'm blessed and everything because, you know, like I told you, I wasn't thinking about the NBA. And then when I got an NCAA tournament and all that stuff went happened with the Shamrock move, everything took over my life of its own. It made me jump out of school a year earlier than what I should have. And then things happened. But one thing about God, he don't leave you. He still walk with you if you have the faith. So now he brought me full circle.
I'm hoping you can answer this. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving is a sneaker free agent. Would you mm-hmm. like to see him join Puma? Man, that's that's a good one. I would like Kyrie to be wherever he want to be because, you know, like I said, he's a great basketball player. He's a great individual. You know, I know his father. I know him. And, you know, he's a great person. You know what I'm saying? No matter what was the miscommunication or misunderstanding, he's a great person. He's a great human being. And that's that's just the person I know. So, you know, I wish him the best on everything, like everything that he got going, everything that he got coming because – from me knowing him personally, he's a great human being. He's a great person, and he he means well about a lot of things. So, you know, just hope everything works out for him. You know, and you know that's it. Like you know, from far as I'm concerned, just knowing him as a person, because I'm a person that believes in hard work. I'm a person that believes in being a good person first and an athlete second. So. You know, that's where I stand with, with, with all that stuff. That's it, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me. You know, keep doing your thing. And like I said, man, you know, sky's the limit. Just got to keep having faith in God and work our butt off, man. And having fun. Yes, having fun. You got to have fun in every, anything you do. Because, you know, like my mom used to say, you got to go to school, so you might as well go happy. Word. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all love, bro. Bless you, brother. All right. Appreciate it. This is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Ta-boom! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 